Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter podcast for the 20th of March 2020. It is the 20th, isn't it? I can't even, let me open it. Yeah, it is the 20th. Um, I'm doing this ahead of time, so what the hell do I know? I'm Derek Hunter, I'm your host. I'm not really British, but hi, what are we going to do? Gabna is this. I appreciate the use of your ears. We're going to get to all the news of the day. Banking related. God, who would have thought? Be sitting around talking about banking. But that's the world in which we find ourselves. But first, let me thank you for going to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com and uh, supporting the program, getting the week in F and review, entering the contests and everything. We have a winner this week of the autographed books. And you will have to wait until the end of the program to find out who it is and therefore find out who the uh, next contestant on the book is right shall be. So appreciate that. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter com. Thank you so much for the support. Everybody else, get on board. Let's do this thing. For the record, I don't go into the uh, Trump tweet or truth or whatever the hell they call it over there because that story seems to be evolving. I want to see how this develops. I'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, I'm... I'm neck deep in kids right now this weekend, so that's going to be the priority rather than an alleged rumor that seems to be being walked back. We shall see. We shall see. So we'll get into that tomorrow, I'm sure, as more of it will flesh out. But the rest of the news we'll get into. All right, now let's get started. There is a lot going on in the world today, and it is every bit insane that you'd possibly... It's really bizarre to me how these things happen and how, like, the congressional testimony. Nobody's ever surprised by congressional testimony, right? Nobody's ever surprised by, like, oh, man, I didn't realize I was supposed to testify before Congress today. That's not how the world works. So you have a situation where Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury, which, by the way, I'll be a little bit rude. Janet Yellen reminds me of Will Ferrell when Will Ferrell used to do Janet Reno on Saturday Night Live. Anybody remember that? It was like a wrestler or whatever it was. It was kind of funny. But that's that's what uh, Janet Yellen's voice sounds like. That's how Janet Yellen sounds to me. And you have this complete mess of a situation with these banks so the secretary of the treasury going up to testify before congress kind of a big deal kind of an important thing costing you know i love one of my favorite lies i have a lot of favorite lies that politicians tell my favorite is this isn't going to cost taxpayers one dime my other favorite is when Joe Biden says, we're not going to raise taxes on anybody making less than $400,000 a year. That's a lie, too. But this one is the biggest lie of all. It's not going to cost taxpayers a dime. It's the federal government doing things. We're going to impose on, and it either shows economic ignorance on behalf of the politicians or the hoped-for 
thoughts and in the economic knowledge level of the American public. They say, well, it's not going to cost. We're going to get the big banks to pay for this. We're going to get other banks to pay for this. We're going to get so-and-so, these companies to pay for it. We are not, it's not going to cost the American taxpayer a single dime. And uh, it takes a special kind of stupid to sit there and go, oh, yeah, well, there you go. That makes it good. Well, I'm off the hook. I can go back to sleep now. I don't, I don't need I can take my medicines and be numb again. There is no, taxes are not paid by corporations. That's why when they say, we're going to raise taxes on corporations and make sure they pay their fair share, you're just going to end up paying more for whatever their product is. Democrats tend to raise taxes on corporations regularly or want to, and particularly on uh, things that you need to buy that everybody has to buy, so that they definitely get their beak wet. It's just weird how that works. However, when it comes to banking and this current situation with Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank, they're saying, well, these uh, no taxpayer funds will be used to bail out because, they, you know, the FDIC, you're insured up to $250,000, and they've voted. Now, I don't know the law, but I can't imagine that Congress passed a law maybe they did where they said you know here's the standard two hundred and fifty thousand dollars we're going to insure you unless the majority of the fdic says meh we're going to insure everything every dollar all the way up to put the government on there's a huge difference between up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and tens of millions of dollars in insurance now you do that with uh, thousands of accounts apparently something like 95 percent of the deposits in Silicon Valley Bank were over and above the $250,000 threshold, which makes you think there's a lot of rich people out in San Francisco, which they are. It's the Bank of Silicon Valley. And uh, lefties and billionaires and lefty billionaires were throwing a ton of money into it. So you sit there and you go, hey, uh, you're just insuring your friends. You're insuring your donor base. You're making your donors whole. When in reality, what they're doing is screwing over us. Oh, it's not taxpayer money. Where's the money coming from? Well, it's coming from other banks. Are other banks just going to be Robin Hooded? Are other banks going to go, here, uh, here's some of our money government. Government's going to administer it. So, of course, even if it were a straight, even if, uh, let's just say, Let's say uh, Elon Musk decides to go ahead. You know, they lost $50 billion. I'm making the numbers up. But you may lost $50 billion. Here's $50 billion worth of stock. I've decided to make Silicon Bank whole without anybody else being involved. The federal government will go, thank you very much. We'll take your $50 billion. And then they will administer it. There is always cost. There are administrative costs with everything so that would cost government money but that's not what i'm talking about when i laugh when i say it won't cost taxpayers a dime because they're going to raise this money to bail out these banks through the imposition of user fees and other fees on the banking industry overdraft fees will be increased atm fees will be reper whatever it is you name it that money all the money in the banking industry, by the way, is taxpayer money. I suppose there are some people out there with bank accounts who aren't taxpayers, illegal aliens. They probably shouldn't be able to. I don't think they can legally open an account, but 
whatever. Liberal states allow for that now when they give them driver's licenses. But there are uh, that's where they're getting the money. So if they say, well, a, a 10 cent per transaction fee or a dollar per, we'll make it a dollar because it's easier. A dollar per transaction fee, meaning every transaction, be it in a, an ATM, be it in person, be it wherever, on your phone, they're imposing this. It would be much smaller. It would be small enough so you wouldn't really notice it. Like the ATM fee is not going to go from $3 to $4. Um, that money comes from taxpayers. That's it. Well, they're collecting it. They're imposing it on the bank, which is really they are imposing on the bank the power to collect this money from us, we the taxpayer. So the idea that this is not going to be taxpayer-funded, this bailout, is asinine. It's nowhere near the truth. Not at all. But I want to play you a, um, a clip that really illustrates just how screwed up this whole policy is by the Biden administration because it's dangerous and damaging going forward and it's going to help the big guys while hurting the little guys in the banking industry and it's always funny to me because what because democrats do what what do they do they they choke on each other trying to insist that they're what they're for the little guy they're for the blue collar worker they are not look those republicans are for the rich guys we're for the little guy the blue collar worker we're the champion beware of anybody who tells you they're your champion they are not your champion if you have to tell somebody you are something you are not it otherwise people would just recognize that you were it you know it's that simple but they run around and they say the Republicans are for the big guys. And who's getting all the Wall Street money? Why well, it's Democrats. Now, why is that? How is that? Well, because rich guys, rich corporations, tend to like regulations. Controversial statement. Explain yourself, Derek. Well, it's pretty simple. If you have a lot of, just like with the Dodd-Frank legislation that they're trying to blame on the collapse of silicon valley bank rather than just poor management the dodd frank piece of legislation that was passed during the obama biden administration and cheered by democrats imposed all sorts of regulations on banks if they wanted to do anything to make money if they wanted to exist really they had to hire a lot of compliance officers for, for jp morgan for chase manhattan this is no big no big deal they're sitting on trillions of dollars of, of assets. They can hire as many people as you want. They didn't mind that. You know who couldn't? Mom and Pop Bank. The small and medium-sized banks. Small ones. They can't afford to put a whole bunch of new people on staff, regulators on staff, especially when there's a fly. you can't just hire anybody off the streets to do this and comply with these regulations. You've got to have somebody who has an understanding of finance, an understanding of the law, or at least the capacity to understand the law, to comply with said law. Those people are not in endless supply, and those people don't come cheap, especially when the giant Wall Street banks are snatching them up. They can pay a hell of a lot more than your local bank. Now, some people just want to live locally and They'd take the job because you could probably live quite well. But in general, the big banks can pay the big bucks. So it made compliance 
with these regulations that banks would do to invest their invest their money, their uh, deposit. It made it difficult to do. That's what the regulation change in 2018 was. Bipartisan Democrats fully in favor of it until now that they need a scapegoat and they're blaming Donald Trump for it. Even Barney Frank is saying that's a joke. But they scaled that back so as to exempt small and medium-sized banks so that they could move their money around. They could invest their money. Silicon Valley Bank, they say, well, this is a result of the pullback of that legislation. It's the second largest bank failure in United States history. Do you really think that's a small community bank? It's not based on the small designation. It's not based on the number of physical locations or the uh, geographic footprint of it. It is based upon the size of the money that it has, the, the assets that they have. When you're dealing with Silicon Valley millionaires and billionaires, you're probably not a mom and pop, we need $10,000 to make payroll this quarter kind of bank. So everything about what they're telling you is a total and complete lie because they want to blame Donald Trump. And what's really funny is there is blame to go around if you're being honest about it and accurate with it, it's not really a lot of blame to go on the Biden administration. Except for the fact that the FDIC under Joe Biden should have been on this. They should have been aware of this. They should have been. You know, other hedge funds were on to this. Hedge funds were telling you, uh, telling investors and advising and downgrading. Moody's downgraded Silicon Valley Bank, for example, is a a sell rather than a, a hold or a buy. Uh, one hedge fund manager was publicly, very publicly, shorting Silicon Valley Bank. So it wasn't impossible to see. But the people whose job it was to see didn't see it. Or they weren't looking. Whatever the case, that's the problem. Therein lies the problem for the Biden administration. It's not a major problem. Ultimately, the Biden administration has no say. The rising interest rates so quickly is what caused the uh, the problem with the bank. They were having, uh, they invested their money wrongly for rising interest rates, and uh, it came back to bite them. But the Federal Reserve does not answer to the Biden administration. The FDIC should have been aware of what the the Federal Reserve was doing and said, hey, you are uh, in the wrong place here. Uh, You need to make some serious arrangements, but they didn't. But the real blame is in the poor management of the bank. But the poor management of the bank is insulated now. The poor management of the bank is getting away with it, scot-free. There's not going to be any consequences for them. Now, they might lose their jobs, but so what? There'll be a golden parachute for those who hadn't already sold their stock, and there's a lot of evidence that these people were ditching stock left and right, like a drug smuggler chucking bricks of coke out the window as they're being chased by police. They were ditching stock for the past year. The people on the inside knew what they were doing. They saw what the feds were doing, but they didn't, I don't know why they didn't want to draw attention to what they were doing. 
and do the right thing. That's the other thing. They could have just done the right thing. So you can't really blame the Biden administration except for a failure of oversight, which is kind of funny because their answer is we need more power, more regulation, more oversight when all the tools were in place to have spotted this and headed this off at the pass if they weren't, I don't know, friends with the bank, if they weren't on the same team as the bank, a bank that gives $73 million to Black Lives Matter is highly unlikely to have a whole bunch of executives who give money to Republicans, but they sure as hell did have a lot of executives who gave money to Democrats. Maybe that's why the Biden administration is so concerned and so lying. Okay, so now we get to uh, Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury. This is Oklahoma Senator James Lankford. Yesterday or the other day, uh, Yellen was up on the Hill testifying about, uh, well, all sorts of things. They do occasional oversight, and they grabbed her at a perfect time to ask about these bank failures and the seemingly arbitrary nature of which banks get fully bailed out and which banks don't. And, uh, well, listen to this exchange. It's rather disturbing. Realistically, your banking future is now, and whether or not your money is secure is dependent upon whether or not you bank with one of the big banks. Now, a lot of those, all these big banks are the uh, DEI, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Banks. They are funding the left wing. And the Biden administration is putting in place a policy and precedent that, because the odds of your local bank, there's a possibility your local bank also funds Democratic politicians. It's much easier to buy, pay the mob their protection money than pay the inflated insurance costs of having your building burned down all the time or your hospital bills for having the crap beat out of you because you refuse to comply with what the mob wants. But they want to push you into the big banks, which genuinely do fund not only Democratic candidates, but progressive causes, progressive activist groups. Here's millions of dollars, the bail fund to get violent left-wing mutant protesters out on bail, that sort of thing. It is the hurting of America. It is, it's leftists hate big business, except for big business that supports them. And more big businesses than you know support them. Some of them out of the belief that they really genuinely like the crap that the left does. And others out of they just give them some money so they leave us alone or hope they kill us last sort of mentality. It's essentially what Janet Yellen is describing here and James Lankford is pointing out is the problem is that they are now telling Americans with money that your money should be in big banks. Forget small banks, which if you're trying to defend against the prospect of a run on banks, look, if a, a thousand people with $500 in their savings account pull their money from a small bank, it probably won't matter all that much, or a small to mid-sized bank. It won't be good. Nobody would like that at the bank, but it won't matter the way it will if a 1,000 people with a million dollars in that bank would. 
if a thousand people with a million dollars in that bank pulled that money from that bank, that's a problem for that bank. You see what I'm saying? That's what the Democrats, that's what Janet Yellen is telling people with a lot of money, more than $250,000 in their bank accounts to do is pull it from small and mid-sized banks and put it in big banks. If you're at all concerned about banks collapsing, that doesn't seem like the thing to do to me. Here's the exchange. Will the deposits in every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of their size, be fully insured now? Are they fully recovered? Every bank, every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of the size of the deposit, will they get the same treatment that SVBP just got or Signature Bank just got? A bank only gets that treatment if a majority of the FDIC board, a supermajority, a supermajority of the Fed board, and I, in consultation with the president, determine that the failure to protect uninsured depositors would create systemic risk and significant economic and financial consequences. So what is and your plan? that determination. Right. right. So, so what is your banks. plan to keep large depositors from moving their funds out of community banks into the big banks? We have seen the mergers of banks over the past decade. I'm concerned you're about to accelerate that by encouraging anyone who has a large deposit in a community bank to say, we're not going to make you whole. But if you go to one of our preferred banks, we will make you whole at that point. Um, look, I mean, we're, that's certainly not something that we're encouraging. That is happening right now. That is happening because depositors are concerned about the bank failures that have happened and whether or not other banks could also um, no, it, it, it's happening and because it's, you're fully insured no matter what the amount is. If you're in a big bank, you're not fully insured if you're in a community bank. Well, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. <laughs> if you are in a small town USA bank, wildly important bank, probably financially stable before now, but now they're uh, sitting there. And if you're a, a farmer who's got a couple million dollars in your bank, or an investor, somebody who happens to just live in the area and decides you want to do community banking or whatever, and you go, you know what? I don't know. I, sometimes I have more money. Sometimes I have less money than $250,000, but it's not worth the risk. Got my nest egg, my retirement nest I'm going to move that to a, a bigger bank. You get enough people in some of these small banks, it's not going to take that many people to pull their money out, and suddenly those banks become insolvent suddenly those banks start having problems. And then you have the run, what they're talking about with the run on the banks is if you've ever seen um, It's a Wonderful Life, there's a run on the uh, the building and loan there. The Bailey building, I don't forget what it's called, the George Bailey's thing. Um, because there's run on banks. It's at the Great Depression. People wanted to... People were recognizing in the times before the FDIC that their, uh, if their bank folded, if the bank went out of business, all the money they had in it was lost. All the money they had in it was lost. That was why for a long time, 
I don't, it was, might have been apocryphal, but apocryphal, but it was always the story of like, there was a homeless man who was discovered to have uh, $200,000 sewn into the lining of his jacket or into his mattress or whatever. And you find it was always somebody who grew up during the Great Depression. It's always somebody who grew up during the Great Depression. They were normal or the old person who dies with all this money and cash in their house. And they were normal people, but there was the one thing about it. They ate cat food. They stockpiled canned goods, whatever it was. Because they remembered the time during the Great Depression when you couldn't get anything. You could, they had nothing. Like literally, I, the amount and type of poverty that happened during the Great Depression in certain communities across the country, in certain areas across the country, is something you can't really fathom today. Can't really fathom today. It makes the poor people in Appalachia that uh, Robert Kennedy toured to in his uh, poverty porn tour makes them look like the Rockefellers. It's just kind of how it was. And those people were forever impacted by it. And they just never trusted the banking system because the run of the banks was, hey, uh, this bank collapsed and everybody who had money in, in Bob's bank lost all their money. Well, I'm in, I'm in Joe's bank. But Joe's bank ain't really all that different than Bob's bank. So I better get to Joe's bank and pull out my money so I have it in case Joe's bank collapses. Well, Joe's bank would only collapse if we ran out of money, if it ran out of money. See, Joe, you give Joe $1,000. Joe doesn't sit on $1,000 and go, well, let's just hope it reproduces. No, Joe takes $1,000, gives you, I'll use round numbers, even though it's 1% interest on it, and then loans that out for 2% interest. So he's making 1% on that. Well, it's more complicated. Send all complaints to somebody else. But if Joe Joe isn't sitting on a huge pile of money, if a thousand people give a thousand dollars, he's not sitting on a million dollars in a vault somewhere of cash. He's loaned out probably $990,000 of it and has $10,000 in operating hard currency. Why? Because... There's not much call for hard currency, really. Most banking is done through electronic transfers, and you just don't need it. Nobody comes in and wants all of their money, at least not very often. That's why if you ever have any significant amount of money in an account, you want to move, switch banks or whatever, you have to fill out some paperwork. And a lot of times you have to, if you want it in cash, you've got to uh, fill out some paperwork and wait a couple of days. Sometimes they can fill it for you, depending on the size of the bank and what they've got in their vault. But it, sometimes you got to, hey, you got to give us a heads up. You want ten grand? Um, but if everybody comes in and wants the their money, the people with a million dollars in Joe's bank, and he's only got ten thousand there, Joe's bank is in a lot of trouble. Joe's bank will collapse they will be out of money now they still have money loaned out but they can't pay their depositors when they want it when they demand it that bank fails that then causes other people to go well bob's bank closed joe's bank just collapsed i got to get down to earl's bank as quickly as possible well now we have the fdic that tells you up to $250,000, the government has your back. 
think of that what you will. It's it's not exactly comforting. The government is bankrupt, but that's beside the point. You're taken care of because most people don't have $250,000 or more in cash in accounts in their uh, their banks. But some people do. Some people, millionaires and billionaires, investors, have a ton of cash laying around. They need to be liquid. They need to move it around pretty quickly. Sometimes they leave it sit there for a month or a couple months, sometimes just a couple of days. They move it through so that they can uh, invest it here or invest it there or whatever they want to do with it. The world of high finance for rich people is something I can't fully understand or grasp, although I would love to one day. But that being said, most people can't. Those are the people who are being taken care of. Those are the people the Biden administration is making sure are whole. Now, everybody else below that is whole. But quite frankly, you can't operate a small bank with only small dollar depositors, customers. There's not enough money. You've got to pay salaries. You've got to administer loans. You've got to do uh, compliance with all the federal regulations. You've got to find a way to earn a profit, too. You've got to do all – you can't just run – you've got to do more than just a credit check on somebody who wants to come in and borrow $10 million. Oh, your credit score is, is uh, 740. Here you go. There's a million dollars. You need the big depositors. Now, the big depositors have now just been told by the Secretary of the Treasury, thereby the President of the United States and the administration, to take your money. Don't go to small banks. Take your money out of small banks and do banking with big banks. Now, for convenience sake, they sometimes use small banks, regional, local, whatever, they're willing to waive fees. They want to have that pass through so they get their beak wet and they make it very uh, appealing as best they can, these small banks, so they can get a piece, a taste of the action. But the federal government beats it all. The federal government says, yeah, you can do that, but you're going to be flying by the seat of your pants. You can put your money in that tiny bank for two weeks while your lawyers finalize this money, put it here and there, and so everybody knows you've got the money. But if that bank collapses in that time, you're screwed. There's no real reason other than a mild convenience sake for wealthy people to park a lot of money in those banks. So they're going to pull it out. Those banks are going to have a harder time because they rely on that money. They're going to have a harder time now, thanks to the Biden administration. Was there a law passed that made this change? No. Was there a series of hearings? Did the Treasury Department open it up to public comment? So that the nope. A group of people got together and decided this was how it's going to be. These banks are too important. Smaller banks, meh, not so. Signal, 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 rich liberal donors will take care of you if you put your money in these banks that do the ESG, do the DEI, do the funding of the Democratic Party, and everybody else can go the way of the dodo. Seems awfully convenient, doesn't it? So we've got more Janet Yellen. It's not Janet Yellen. It's so f- Hearing her talk, this, I'm Janet Yellen, I'm the 
Secretary of Trade. I care very deeply. I'm very concerned about people who are suffering. I'm not suffering. I'm filthy rich. And I got paid a ton of money. By the way, Janet Yellen, just so you know, if you want to know how government works, perfectly legal corruption. Janet Yellen, between stints in the Obama-Biden administration and in the Biden administration, and having served as chair of the Fed, I believe, in, in between gigs, she made tens of millions of dollars giving paid speeches, not to your local Kiwanis club, not to your... <laughs> <laughs> Kiwanis. Is anybody a member of the Kiwanis? Don't call me. Some people are. But uh, not to your local Kiwanis club. Not to the lo- She was giving speeches, paid a ton of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars per to give speeches to who, to what, to where. Ba-ba-da-ra. Large Wall Street banks and investment firms. Yes, the very same people that she is currently overseeing the regulatory scheme of. It's weird how that works, isn't it? Now, Janet Yellen ain't a spring chicken. But it is the same principle as the spring chicken who probably smoked the chicken, Hunter Biden, that I tell you all the time. I told you just the other day, if I remember correctly, that you'd make these bribes on the margin. So you just go, well, there's a... Ch- Look, Janet Yellen is no longer in there, but there's, there's a good chance the next Democratic administration, if there is a Democratic administration relatively soon, she wouldn't do it if she were in her 90s or if she were dead. Democrats only vote when they're dead. They don't get appointed to cabinet positions when they're dead. Uh, that, uh, you know, you don't get a return on that investment. But if you are a... Let's say you're holding $800 billion or a trillion dollars, or just a hundred billion dollars, something small for these investment banks in in money, in investments. And you've got, I don't know, 0.1% of that to play with? 0.1% of that to spread around? That's still a lot, a lot, a lot of money. So what do you do? You don't go, here's some money. Here's some money. Hey, Janet Yellen, I can't help but notice that you're out of government right now. Here's uh, $250,000 just for fun because of your lovely gray-haired bowl cut. I want to pay you for that because there aren't very many people rocking the bowl cut these days. So I want you to have $250,000 for that. You can't do that. Why? Because you're only giving her $250,000 as a bribe, a a wink and not not a straight-up bribe. I'll give you this, you do that, but uh, an ingratiating bribe. You want to be in good with Janet Yellen. So you give her $250,000 for a speech. See, because if you, you sit there and go, who the hell would pay Janet Yellen $250,000 for a speech? And the, the correct answer is nobody. Nobody at all. But if you're looking to bribe somebody, you do it because you can't just give her the money. You have to get something in return. Because if you're before the senate for confirmation and they say hey looking at your uh, tax returns you got two hundred fifty thousand dollars from uh, jp morgan chase bank here whatever i don't even i don't think they're together anymore but whatever it is i hate it when mommy and daddy banks break up but uh they, you get it from chase bank 
They just gave you two hundred. Why did they give you two hundred fifty thousand dollars? Well, I had a really good lunch with the CEO, and uh, he said, "Dance, monkey," and so I danced, and he gave me two hundred fifty thousand dollars. That wouldn't fly. There'd be a whole lot of people with a whole lot of questions, and I suspect even maybe, although unlikely, some Democrats would look at that with a little bit of suspicion and go, that seems a bit odd. They just give you $250,000? But if they, quote, pay you $250,000 to give a speech, why, that's on the up and up. That's legit. Now, you may sit there and go, you know, former presidents, some former presidents don't really get $250,000 or rarely get $250,000 a speech. Certainly, vice, former vice presidents barely get, Democrats always get paid more than Republicans, which is weird because Democrats rail against people with money and then go and spend their post time in office sucking up to people with money, collecting a bunch of that money. It's very, very, very weird. But if you're given a speech, yes, Republicans will say, who the hell would pay you $250,000 for a speech? Well, they they wanted to hear the nuances of banking regulation. Really? It's weird because it was your job to administer banking regulations, and they had lobbyists on staff working in conjunction with the lawyers on staff that helped write the banking regulations. I would think they could lecture you about compliance with banking regulations, but uh, you are sitting there telling me that, no, 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 that's not the case. They wanted to hear your take on it because what sort of risk assessment would, wouldn't, would be complete without hearing from somebody no longer in power or capable of doing anything about it, especially when they have the exact opposite opinion or a vastly different opinion than the people who are actually in power. You see what I mean? What the Treasury Secretary thinks and does on uh, regulatory matters from Republican to Democrat administrations and any secretary, really, is likely going to be dramatically different. So then you have this set of information, this set of rules, knowledge, what have you, that's almost irrelevant when you leave office if the parties switch. Now, if a Democrat had taken over, then you go, okay, well, then this is uh, this is good because the upper management is still there. There are people you sort of brought in. But if it is one party to the other, there is literally very little information that a cabinet official, that any elected Democrat could bring that is useful. Yet Janet Yellen made millions and millions and millions of dollars giving speeches to these groups. <laughs> Just kind of a weird coincidence, ladies and gentlemen. So when you're sitting there and listening to these clips, keep that in mind. She's already had her... Go it's not a golden parachute. She's got a gold... Democrats have a golden plane. They get a nice golden parachute when they jump out of it, but their whole professional career in between stints in government is spent with their own personal Midas attached to them who keeps touching things and giving them money. To show you why, uh, just to give you an example of the genius level 
of knowledge that these banks were paying millions of dollars for. Uh, Minnesota Senator Ron Johnson asked Janet Yellen about, because there's a big problem with spending in this country. And that's leading to inflation, as we saw. Joe Biden's $2 trillion boondoggle is the biggest it was unnecessary. Even people in, uh, on the left admit that it was unnecessary, and it's, it's really causing a run on inflation. Janet Yellen doesn't think that inflation is problematic, that, it ca- or that, uh, that government spending causes inflation. If you, if you wonder why our economic ship of state keeps bashing into icebergs, it's because we've got drunken Captain Hazelwood up there at the Treasury Department. But would you agree those are the top three causes of inflation? Uh, deficit spending, high energy costs, and supply dislocations? I don't believe that deficit spending is one of the main causes you, you of don't? inflation. I mean, inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods. Well, so when, you, when you're have... printing all this out, so do you know in the first three fiscal years of the Biden administration, you know how much the total deficit spending is going to be? We had um, an economic collapse that was caused by Right, the and we were, we were certainly coming out of that because there's all this pent-up demand and a sloshing around of trillions of dollars. We had economic stagnation. What? Ma'am, can you, do you need help? Are you choking on something right now? I don't think that government spending has anything to do with it. Really, it doesn't have anything to do with it. That's amazing. That's amazing. Of course, who's in favor of the government spending? It's the big banks. It's the people who paid her millions of dollars. Just to put a fine point on it, January 4th, 2021, the Wayback Machine. Doesn't have to go all that way back, but we can go back there. CNN Business. Headline, Janet Yellen made millions giving speeches to Wall Street banks she'll soon regulate. See, this is the preemptive just-in-case bribes. It's good to be a Democrat. It might look to all outside observers that you're being paid off for past work, past favors done. You do the favors while in office, and then you, you leave office, and there's your golden parachute. No, no, this is the golden plane. And they go, you know what? She's, she has a good chance she's going to be. You can see who the, the people the Democrats will rely on. It's how Jennifer Granholm gets $5 million in stock options in an electric car company after she, an electric car company in California, after she leaves the governor's mansion in Michigan and goes to become a college professor out in California. A college professor not having anything to do with electric cars. They just give her $5 million in stock options. Why? Oh, she advised the company. What did she advise? What could she have possibly brought to the table? Of any knowledge, she has no background in the auto industry. Sure, she was governor of Michigan, but that is not an industry that is overrun, particularly at that time, with electric vehicles. Manufacturing, procurement, nothing. She didn't have anything to do with it. Why'd she get $5 million? Well, in case she ends up in a Democrat administration in a position to help the electric vehicle company that gave her the $5 million in stock options, they have prepaid this bribe. Now, the company's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. $5 million is is nothing, really, in the grand scheme of things. If it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. 
They've curried favor with Jennifer Granholm, who if she doesn't get the position, which she did, she would probably have the phone number of the person who did have the position. So they could call her with those $5 million in stock options and say, hey, uh, you're not the Secretary of Transport or Secretary of Energy, but we would love to have a meeting with the Secretary of Energy. Do you think you could set that up and help us get that? And she would go, yes, of course, you gave me $5 million in stock options. Of course, I'll do whatever you want. Perfectly legal corruption. CNN, Janet Yellen, President-elect Biden's pick for Treasury Secretary made more than $7 million in recent years just in recent years, by giving speeches to Wall Street banks, major corporations, and industry groups. The former chair of the Federal Reserve uh, hauled in nearly $1 million alone in multiple speeches to Citigroup, according to financial disclosure documents filed this week. Now, isn't that weird? Isn't that nice? Isn't that convenient? Now, who is she up there before Congress testifying that she's got the absolute back of their depositors for the big banks. If you've got your money in Citibank, you take. You doesn't matter if you've got ten thousand dollars or ten million dollars. The federal government has now declared that you will be made whole if you bank with a bank that paid a million dollars to Janet Yellen for speeches. I'm sure it's lovely speeches. Sarah, it doesn't matter how many speeches. She gave. Has there ever been a speech from somebody that's worth that kind of money? Now, this is this is president money. This is president money. Janet Yellen was not president. Janet Yellen was never going to be president. She didn't inspire to be president. It doesn't pay enough for her to aspire to become president. But she was the odds-on favorite if you just looked at all these leftists to become treasury secretary if a Democrat came to office after the Trump administration. She was the odds-on favorite, and she won. If you bet on Janet Yellen, you won. Larry Summers probably got some of this money, too. He's up at Harvard. He probably got some of this money, too. Probably under... He got it as a consultant. Quote-unquote consultant's fees. Put him on retainer or whatever. But this money is spread all over the place. You say, well, how can they afford a million here, a million there? Because why? Because they're looking at what? A trillion dollars in potential money being pulled out of small and medium-sized banks and put into large banks by rich people because they know that the federal government will take care of every single dollar no matter what, and they won't in the smaller banks. So even if the money's there temporarily, they they will slide it over. So if you could pay $10 million over the course of four years to a whole bunch of potential secretaries of the treasury, and the return on that investment is trillions of dollars in new investment in your company, new deposits in your company, wouldn't you make that? If you could lobby for, you always hear, for $50,000 a month to lobby, $100,000 a month. This industry is dropping a million dollars a month to lobby. They're not doing that because they've just got money to burn. They're doing that because the return on that investment is a thousand times. Yeah, these defense contractors spend a ton of money, lobby, millions of dollars, lobby, and they get billions of dollars in contracts. If for a million dollars I could get a billion dollars, 
I would beg, borrow, and steal to get a million dollars. It's that simple, and so would you, so would everybody listening. Well, these banks have that deal set up, and it's perfectly legal. Corrupt, but perfectly legal. One more uh, Janet Yellen clip uh, before we uh, leave her and her bull cut sitting there. It really is an amazing thing that uh, Democrats can look at anything and deny that's what it is. Hey, look at basic math and go, no, 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 that's not right. They can look at the fact that uh, what they're doing is raising taxes. They're costing taxpayer money. They go, we're not going to cost taxpayers a dime. They can look at a woman, at a man, and go, that's a woman. They can look at anything straight. I mean, the woman thing is new, but it seems as like as though like they're my entire life anyway. They've been training for this moment to look at a man and go, "Oh, what a beautiful woman you are!" And Thank you. No, seriously, you. Uh, I couldn't help but notice you bench that four hundred and fifty pounds and do uh, eight hundred pounds on the leg press, young Missy. You're you're quite the looker. I want to go out on a date. No, I do not. Um, but you're a beautiful woman. Boy, if I if I just were, you know, no, I couldn't. None of these people date any of these women, by the way. It's just, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody in the Biden administration has fallen in love with Rachel Levine. Isn't that weird? Rachel Levine's all over the place. I'm sure that he would love to have somebody in his life. Uh, somebody young, some young Turk, but nope, nobody's going, you know what? That's my idea of a woman over there, that, that guy with the penis. <laughs> that one. It's weird. Very weird how they, they don't know what a woman is until it comes time for for their dating. When it comes to who they invite into their beds, nobody's ever confused by what a woman is at that point. They've all got it. Bill Clinton never made it. Oops, I didn't know what, what is, what's going on. Holy cow. Where am I going to put my cigar now? I don't get how this works. Nope. Never had that problem. Curiously. Anyway, <laughs> when they look at things that are and declare that they aren't or look at things that aren't and declare that they are, they are uh, incredibly gifted at that. And that brings us back to Secretary Yellen and the idea that if you just declare, you know, if you build it, he will come. If you declare it, it shall be. It should be the left's mantra. It's not true, but it should be because they pretend that it is. They, um, <laughs> they ask Janet Yellen about the president and Social Security. Now, Joe Biden's running around going, I will not bear Social Security. I will not do it. make sure I'll protect Social Security. Social Security is going, it doesn't matter what Joe Biden declares. Social Security is going bankrupt. It just is. There are more people retired than ever before collecting Social Security relative to fewer people working than ever before paying into Social Security. It is a Ponzi scheme. You do not have an account anywhere with your money sitting in it earning zero interest. They've spent it. They've set it on fire. They've already spent your children's Social Security money. They are robbing Peter to pay Paul. That's just how it is. Democrats deny this 
and then acknowledge it without actually admitting it. They pretend to play along. So Joe Biden saying, I will do anything to uh, fix Social Security. I will meet with anybody. I will work with people to fix Social Security. Well, uh, Secretary, Louisiana Senator Bill Cassidy is amongst a group of bipartisan senators who have attempted to take Joe Biden up on this offer. Now, it's, you'd say this is an exercise in futility and why would anybody bother doing such a thing? You do it because you've got to call the bluff. You know it's a bluff. You know the president is BSing. But if you never call him on it, that gives him the ability to run around and still claim it. Now, he still runs around and claims it because he's senile and a liar. But at least you've got the seed planted out there in some people's heads of knowledge that, hey, uh, we've offered to meet with the guy on this issue and he won't take us up on it. He won't He won't answer. He won't respond. So he asks Janet Yellen about this and Janet Yellen repeats the the party line. We'll work with anybody. We'll meet with anybody. Then why won't the president meet with a bipartisan group of senators? If he's willing to do anything, if he'll work with anybody, why won't he work with anybody? The president knows many people on Social Security. Then why doesn't the president care? He cares very deeply. Then where is his plan? He stands ready to work with Congress. That's a lie. Because when a bipartisan group of senators has repeatedly requested to meet with him about social so that somebody who is a current beneficiary will not see her benefits cut by 24%, we have not heard anything on our request. And we've made multiple requests to meet with the president. Now, you can't comment on that. I realize that. But that is a fact. And if you've been told to say he stands ready to meet, I will tell you there's absolutely no evidence because we have not gotten our meeting. It's true. The president says that all the time. I'll work with anybody who will do but I will not work with anybody who wants to do X, Y, and Z. He builds up a straw man, he sets it on fire. Builds up a big old straw man, sets it on fire. Like, oh boy, howdy. What I I'll work with anybody to save Social Security, but what I won't do is I will not under any circumstances get together with those Republicans who want to kill grandma and grandpa, who want to drive giant wood chippers through neighborhoods and throw the elderly into it. I will not do that. Who who are these people? I will not sit down with anybody who says that we ought to just eliminate Social Security and cause mass starvation of our elderly and throw them out of their homes onto the streets beating them about the head and neck with uh, rubber mallets we i will not work with those pe- who are these people i love that he cares deeply about this issue well then where's his plan er i mean he doesn't care enough to sit down and put pen to paper i mean come on he's not, not talking crazy is it it's not like it's a young girl whose hair he can sniff. He doesn't care that much, but I mean, he cares. He's not losing any sleep over it, but he definitely has thought about it every once in a while. I remember a meeting recently where he said, how can we pretend to care about Social Security? And he was very concerned that he wanted to, we might not be seen by the voters as somebody who cares about Social Security. So we devised a way for him to pretend to care about Social Security. That. That's the kind of meetings we have in this White House. 
All these Democrats, all these politicians, they care very deeply about these things and then do nothing about them. Have you ever noticed that? Why, through the entirety of the Obama-Biden administration, there were few things that kept good old Barry Soweto, Barack Obama, up at night, like the plight of illegal aliens, right? Oh, especially the dreamers. Oh, holy Frank Tanana, the dreamers. They were the best. They were Barack Obama tossed and turned thinking about the fate of the dreamers. Never once did anything about it. The illegal alien, I mean, until he broke the law and just declared the law to be changed, he never introduced legislation, never put pressure on Congress to pass legislation to deal with the entirety of the uh, border crisis and the illegal aliens. He never once did anything about it. But boy, how did he talk about it? Rush used to talk about the left's love of symbolism over substance. And that's exactly what they are. It's exactly how they are. Symbolism over substance. Oh my God, speaking of symbolism over substance, that's what this story is. You got to love this story. The crack addict son of the president of the United States who cheated on his own wife with his brother's widow. I assume he waited until his brother passed, but who knows? I wouldn't put anything past him. He's now suing the laptop repairman over his laptop. (laughs) This is ABC News. Attorneys representing Hunter Biden filed his answer and counterclaims alleging invasion of privacy in response to a defamation lawsuit bought by a Delaware-based computer repairman who they say triggered the infamous laptop controversy. It's the infamous laptop controversy. You notice what these these so-called journalistic outfits never do is they never tell you what was on the laptop. They've now all confirmed that the laptop is real. They don't get into the money transfers, the whoring, the videos, the drug use, the complaining about his dad taking too much of his money and how Hunter's got to be the bag man for the family. All that, they just ignore it. The wire transfers from foreign governments, they don't care. It's just uh, the infamous laptop controversy. And that way, when somebody points out, hey, you're not really talking about what's going on, "We've, we've covered the laptop. Look, we just mentioned it right there. The infamous laptop controversy in the weeks leading up to the 2020 election. The step represents a major escalation in the younger Biden's increasingly aggressive legal posture towards some of his most vocal critics and those who allegedly trafficked in his personal information. Hunter Biden pleads poverty that he can't pay for his uh, out-of-wedlock birth with the stripper, who he won't acknowledge and is fighting tooth and nail. He can find the, can't find the money for child support, but he can find the money for a lawyer to fight the kid getting his last name. And, of course, the evil Joe Biden has never acknowledged this grandchild. I give you my word as a Biden, he's a complete and total scumbag. The suit filed in a Delaware federal court targets John Paul McIsaac, a computer repairman who in April 2019 purportedly obtained a and later disseminated data from the laptop allegedly belonging to the president's son. The counterclaim in, is in response to a defamation suit filed by McIsaac against Hunter Biden and others in October 2019, which is ongoing. 
Boy, you talk about a really slow-ass justice system. Quote, Hunter Biden has more than a reasonable expectation of privacy that any data that he created or maintained would not be accessed, copied, disseminated, or posted on the Internet for others to use against him or his family or for the public to view, according to the countersuit. Well, right there, ladies and gentlemen, is what? Acknowledgement that the data contained on the laptop is real. Now, remember last time they filed legal claims, they... They inadvertently acknowledged that the laptop was real. And they said, well, none of this is to uh, to acknowledge that the laptop is real. We're just saying. And now they're doing it again. But his reasonable expectation is, I mean, even a dime store lawyer, and I'm not a dime store lawyer, I'm not even a nickel store lawyer, I'm not a lawyer, could tell you that when the policy and the agreement that you signed releases for, Hunter states plainly and obviously that if you abandon your laptop in his shop for more than 90 days, that property, that physical property and all of the data contained therein become the property of the store. You, in a drug-addled haze, probably dropped this off having, I don't know, spilled cocaine between the keyboards and likely made the keyboard malfunction. When you didn't come and pick it up because you forgot where it was or forgot when I assume you were called and whatever you're too busy whoring on the west coast that became his property it is legally impossible for John Paul McIsaac to illegally release something that belongs to him right and these things were on the laptop he got them off the laptop, the laptop that he owns. Everything contained in there is his. You can't rat on yourself. He didn't release this information as an attack on you, and even if he did, he owns it. It doesn't matter. So this is more of a punchback, a desperate attempt to be seen as trying to defend against this which is pathetic in and of itself it's bad lawyerly advice but it's not bad pr advice considering that hunter claims he can't afford lawyers he can't afford child support he can't afford this he can't afford the other thing i suspect that these lawyers are paid for by democrat donors that probably even since the, I suspect that the uh, financing and the trail of breadcrumbs for the money for this is going to be hidden as best as possible. Some of Hunter Biden's foreign friends might be stepping up to help him. What's the, look, if he's only a useful tool to a foreign adversary or enemy of the United States of America if that relationship is not exposed. Once that relationship is exposed, his usefulness as a useful idiot is gone. It's gone. So the oligarchs in Russia, the communists in China, and God knows who in Ukraine, they all have, a in other parts of the world, they all have a vested interest in keeping all of this stuff out of the public eye. If you bought access to somebody, that use of that access is dependent upon that access not being known publicly, right? 
Otherwise, all you're bribing, once it's known publicly, all you're bribing is for naught. So if you've, uh, you're millions of dollars deep into this guy, this family, and billions of dollars are on the line, what's another couple of million dollars for the legal defense fund? No matter how asinine the argument is, no matter how stupid and irrational, frankly, just straight up dumb, the argument is you gave him the laptop, dude. You gave him the damn laptop. You agreed to the terms of service. You then didn't go and pick it up. It's not your laptop anymore. The data on it is not yours. You could argue if he went in and broke into your email accounts on the servers of the email accounts, you might be able to make an argument on that front. But you really can't because you're the weirdo lunatic who downloaded all of these things to the actual hard drive. You're the one who downloaded emails and text messages to your laptop and left them sitting there for the world to see. You did this. You did this. It's a hell of a lawsuit. It'll be, it should be thrown out. Because of who filed it, it probably won't be thrown out. And the fact that we're already, what, uh, four years into this thing? Four years into this thing, justice moves slowly. Justice moves at a glacial pace. If your father is the right person. Yeah. Maybe the social justice warriors should look into this one. Eh, No, they don't care. There's nothing about them that's social or at all interested in justice. They're all just disgusting creeps. I mean that in the nicest possible way. I, I got. I, it's not often I'll talk about Chastin Buttigieg because Chastin Buttigieg doesn't do anything. He's kind of a worthless creature. But he is a shameless self-promoter and a professional victim because he's a Democrat in good standing. He's married, of course, to Secretary of Incompetence Pete Buttigieg over there in the Biden administration. He's making the rounds. I mean, just in the last couple of days, Chaston has been popping. He popped up on The View. He popped up on Comedy Central. And I'm thinking, what the hell is he selling? He has a kid's book. He has a young adult book out there. See, a couple years ago, to demonstrate just how worthless our society and our culture can be, Chastin Buttigieg released a book, a memoir of his life. Now, you ask yourself, who the hell gives a damn about Chastin Buttigieg? You're not alone. Nobody should give a damn about Chastin Buttigieg. He's done nothing. But he put out a memoir called I Have Something to Tell You, a memoir by Chastin Buttigieg. Ooh, yeah, can you feel the excitement? It's a money laundering scheme. It was a New York Times bestseller because the bestseller list of the New York Times is an arbitrary uh, unit of measure that they is not even a unit of measure. They just make it up. And now Chaston, because he has no originality, no real talent or anything of that nature, has put out another version of the same book. You want to you want to talk about the bribing of somebody, just a straight up laundering of money. You've got another publisher comes along and says, "Oh, Chaston, what we should do? We got your lovely riveting story that nobody gives a damn about. Um, 
the, we need to target a version of that to young adults. And so we have, I have something to tell you, dash, for young adults, colon, a memoir. Now that's out uh, as of the 16th. Uh, no, it's not even out yet. It's the 16th of May. So boy, howdy, we're getting the, the pre-sale Chastin Buddha Judge book tour. And you look at this thing and you go, the reviews, reviews. Oh, there's a, a nice little blurb from Becky Albertalli, who's the author of Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda. So, yeah, there you go. You can just guess which letters of the alphabet that book is all about. Dustin Lan- Chastin speaks to his readers as a trusted friend, reminding anyone who feels different that they are not alone and that learning to love and embrace what makes us different may be the greatest gift we can give ourselves, said Dustin Lance Black, filmmaker and LGBTQ plus activist. <laughs> Then there's uh, somebody who's an Academy Award-winning actress, dancer, and singer. Adriana or Dubo, I don't know who the hell that is. Whatever. Costco Jackson. Somebody else. Ellen DeGeneres gave a blurb. This Cal Pet. Now, this is what's funny. He appeared on Comedy Central on The Daily Show with Cal Penn, his host. Cal Penn just played you the other day his softball interview with joe biden where joe biden goes oh no i remember the moment i started loving the gay marriage it was when i saw a couple of gay guys going to town on each other when i was in high school like really and my dad was like it's cool joe watch it live and learn that's how it is in prison that's mean but the idea that joe biden has been down with gay marriage since the 50s is a lie as demonstrated by the fact that throughout his entire career until 2012 he vehemently opposed gay marriage, including speaking out on it and voting for the Defense of Marriage Act. But uh, Cal Penn gave a nice blurb to this, and then Cal Penn interviewed Chastin Buttigieg. Now, how serious do you think the interview is going to be with Cal Penn, gay rights activist, interviewing Chastin Buttigieg, gay rights activist, when Cal Penn gave Chastin Buttigieg a blurb for his book. How, how serious do you think the interview is going to get? It wasn't serious. It wasn't serious at all. Nothing was serious about it. It was a damn joke. But they went into what Chastin Buttigieg went into on The View. He was also on The View. It's amazing. The book isn't coming out for two months, and he's already all over getting these primo You tell me this isn't bribery. Getting primo promotion spots for a book that's not coming out in two two months. They wanted to talk and they keep on talking about the joke. The joke that Mike Pence made about Pete Buttigieg. It's the joke. Now, Joe Biden has given speeches where he's called every Trump supporter, every Republican Nazis. He did so in front of a blood-red drenched Independence Hall in Philadelphia. He has gone around and said some of the rudest, crudest things about conservatives across the country. And never once has he apologized. Never once has he seemingly been made aware of what he himself has said. 
Yet the White House now, CNN headline, White House calls on Mike Pence to apologize for homophobic joke against Pete Buttigieg. It's not homophobia. Phobia means fear. Nobody fears gay people. I don't fear gay people. I don't fear trans people. I couldn't care less. I'm sick of hearing about it. I'm sick of whining, crying, pissy little crying babies going, oh, 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 I'm a victim of everything you said. You're just just transphobic. Why? Because I don't want you to strip for my children? No. If I beat the hell out of you because you're stripping for my children, it's because you're stripping for my children. It has nothing to do with your sexuality, sexual orientation, your gender identity, or anything like that. I'd beat the hell out of anybody I found doing that, okay? But you want to couch it as homophobia or transphobia tells me that you kind of want the behavior. Hey, if you don't like people stripping for your kids, you're really defending stripping for children? You don't want children learning about sexuality and all the various sex acts that men can engage with uh, with other men. No, I don't. I don't want them to learn about sexual activities anybody can engage with. They're five and four. All right. Well, you only don't want this one because you're transphobe. Well, why don't I want them learning about heterosexual sex then? What am I, a heterophobe on top of it? Is that it? No, they don't talk about that. Nobody's advocating, by the way, going, you know what, Florida schools need to be inundated with elementary schools showing straight porn on television in the hallway. All right. And every every homeroom class needs to have uh, an adult performer come in as long as they do straight sex acts and demonstrate it for children. Nobody's advocating for that. They're advocating for keeping all sex out of elementary schools. And there's one group of people who are going, no, 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 we need to have this sex demonstrated, described, graphically illustrated, everything in these elementary schools. Isn't that a little sick? Maybe you don't want to... Look, you're a pedophile if you have uh, relations with children, but if you want children to... Like, have you enjoyed children knowing your relation status and what have you? That's pretty damn close, right? That's some sort of gross. There's something wrong with you. Just as there's something wrong with a pedophile. And maybe we shouldn't indulge that. Why? Well, uh, those are different things. Okay, they are. They are different things. But imagine... The absolute worst monster, metaphorically, is at the end of the block. But as you go further down the block, the dead ends, the worst monster, that would be, you know, whatever you want it to be in your head. We're talking about houses and people who live in these houses that are several, but only a couple of houses just this side of the worst, right? The road only goes one place. Right, it's not you know on the on the corner on the cross street. There's nobody wants anything to do sexually. With children don't want to like let children be children. Don't sexualize them. Don't. And as you go further down, it's we must tell them about it. We must show them about it. We must teach them about these other new things that might never occur to them. We must insist that they're different genders. And you know, getting down there, you could start. Hey, wait a second. We're not that far from the absolute pervert at the end of the block. So forgive me if I don't want to go down the street that only dead ends in one spot. If you do, 
Sorry. And that's what Democrats do. If Chastin Buttigieg has the sads because elementary school children are not learning about how he and Pete couple, I don't care. I don't care that Chastin Buttigieg is upset or sad. But what if Chastin Buttigieg becomes really, really depressed and does? I don't care. Get help. Okay. In fact, if you run risk of getting that upset that you're going to do something damaging or dangerous to yourself because you can't inflict yourself and your your lifestyle on elementary school children, seek help now because there's something wrong with you. We're not society should not indulge this. You're not special because of who you sleep with. You're not special because of your sexuality. You're not special at all. You haven't done a damn thing to be special, Chastin. Except for maybe not to end up killing somebody over having the name Chastin. But what was the homophobic joke? Well, that's the funny thing. It wasn't. It was just a joke. It was at the Gridiron Dinner the other day. It was... The Gridiron Dinner is a place where there is political ribbing that goes on. But because it's Mike Pence and because the left is professionally offended by things, they need to find a way to be offended by Mike Pence. Mike Pence is a religious conservative. That's the worst kind of conservative to the left because they hate conservatives and they hate religion. It's like somebody who really hates chocolate having chocolate ice cream and chocolate cake put on the plate in front of them, like double chocolate. Ugh. He made a joke that uh, Secretary Mayor Pete had gone on maternity leave rather than paternity leave. This build is the homophobic joke. Oh my God, this is a homophobic. It's not a homophobic joke. I make that joke. Couldn't give a damn. My oldest friend in life is gay. Who cares? I wouldn't make that joke anymore. I probably did at the time because it's been done to death. But then Mike Pence is not really up on the latest comedy or the comedy in the last two years. So he makes that joke. Mike Pence is kind of square. He's also not a homophobe. He just doesn't give a damn. If you don't bow to the alphabet mafia, you are declared to be a homophobe. I don't care. Call me a homophobe. Couldn't care less. Doesn't make it true. In fact, don't apologize, Mike Pence. But don't you love it? The headline, White House calls on Pence to apologize. A bunch of other headlines. Mike Pence refuses to apologize. White Pence refuses to, what is, does he owe an apology? Why? It's a joke. Can Pete Buttigieg not take a joke? I mean, he married a dude named Chastin. Married a dude named Chastin. Okay. Chastin, if that doesn't make you laugh, then there's something wrong with you. I mean, what the hell is a chat? I don't know. I never heard the. I don't know of any other human being named Chastin. Now, sadly, there are probably going to be a bunch of kids named Chastin because of Buttigieg. But it is pathetic, is it not? That these people run around and go, you need to apologize. You need to apologize. We need. This is a homophobic thing. This is a that. This is a thing. No. No, 
spare me. He'll make a million dollars off this book. It'll just be a way to bribe. It'll be just like the former mayor of Baltimore who sold a whole bunch of healthy Holly books to people who didn't had no use for them. They just warehoused them. Left-wing organizations and probably the big banks will buy a ton of Chastin Buttigieg young adult books, likely like they did for his other pseudo-adult book, the same book. They'll buy more copies of this to give to children. Woke corporations will hand it out along with white fragility and how to be an anti-racist. And they'll get and Chastin Buttigieg will make a bunch of money. Nobody will read it. Growing up, Chastin Glesman Buttigieg didn't always fit in. So what? Did anybody always fit in? Did we all throw ourselves on the ground and start crying and screaming like a 12-year-old girl with a skinned knee? No, we didn't. We adapted. But no, not Chastin. He, uh, he felt different from his father and brothers who loved to hunt and go camping and out of place in the rural conservative town where he lived. Back then, blending in was more important than feeling seen. Spare me. You're not a hero, Chastin. You're not a victim. You're your own perp, little spaz. So when Chastin realized he was gay, he kept that part of himself hidden away for a long, painful time. Really? Long, painful time? When I came out as straight to my parents, I remember the sense of relief I finally had to be able to unburden myself to my parents about the type of sex I would like to engage in at some point in my life. I was probably 10 years old at the time. No, nobody does that. Why do you feel the need to tell people you're gay, Justin? Who cares? With incredible bravery... He probably wrote that himself. With incredible, this is from the Amazon description, with incredible bravery and the support of his loved ones, Chastin eventually came out. And when he did, he learned that being true to himself was the most rewarding journey of all. Oh, I don't know. It might be a rewarding journey, but might I suggest you take another journey, the uh, long walk off a short pier. Try that one. See how that one works out for you. Finding acceptance and self-love can seem like a tremendous challenge, but it's never impossible, especially when you've got liberals like Chastin there cheering you, butchering your body physically. With honesty, courage, and warmth, Chastin relays his experience of growing up in America and embracing his identity while inspiring young people across the country to do the same. You're inspiring people to come out as gay? But if they're not gay, Chastin... Are they not quite the heroes? Are the little heterosexual children out there not the heroes that you are, Chastin? Spare me. I'm a hero. I save lives. Oh, I'm a hero too. What do you do? I'm gay. Okay, yeah, but what? No, no, no. That's it. That's all I have to do. I've told you I'm gay. I'm a hero. Please make the checks payable to cash. Gross doesn't begin to describe it ladies and gentlemen, on every single level, that this is what the left celebrates. Chastin Buttigieg's long career of, well, but I mean, he was a leading mind in the, um, yeah, no, future generations will come across this book because this book will be bought by every single library and put in the young adult section. It'll be put in elementary schools across the country. And someday children will wonder to themselves or aloud to other adults that Chastin Buttigieg, 
He's the guy on the statue in front of the school, right? Yeah. What did he do again? He married a man. Yeah, but I mean, what did he, what kind of, the kid who asked that, yeah, but I mean, like, what real accomplishment did he have? That's the kid you should follow. That's the kid who should be a leader. And that's the kid who will probably be drummed out of school. Shifting gears to uh, President Fauci. President Fauci appeared on Morning Joe. Why? Because he's retired. How sad is it that, like, Fauci's retired, like, the media still goes, we need to get him, we need to get him. President Fauci has been discredited on so many things. Masks work. And then he's, well, I knew masks didn't work, but whatever. Oh, but really, at the beginning, you said, don't get masks, masks don't work. And then you admitted, I only did that because I wanted to make sure there were enough masks for the... uh, for the uh, professional workers, for the healthcare workers. Oh, okay. So you lied, and then you were wrong, and then once you discovered you were wrong, you continued to be wrong, which turned the second step in your plan into a lie. So, look, anybody can be wrong, but if you continue to be wrong after you know the truth, you've decided to embrace a lie. That's what Fauci did. The vaccines, they're still embracing that. The vaccines work. The vaccines are doing this, that, and the other. The vaccines don't work. I'm sorry, they don't work. They are, at best, at best, temporary immunity boosters. Temporary immunity boosters. That being said, if you want to inject your body with them, knock yourself out. I couldn't care less. What you do with your body. But if you are getting injected, you should at least know that the chances of it having any impact on you and your ability to fend off COVID or whatever are next to none. Next to none. And if you're a young man you or you have children, you should probably not have. But if you, again, I would advise against it. There's no evidence that this is, a, unless you've got a pre-existing condition or you're elderly, you should not do this. Yet here in Morning Joe, President Fauci's on there, and grown men are asking him, oh, uh, how often should we get boosted? And how long we get boosted, blah, get boosted, boosted, boosted? Right now the government's telling you to get boosted pretty much every three months. They're just making it. I believe the CDC's website says every three months, which is insane. You're not boosted. <laughs> it's like a heroin junkie. Oh, I just need to get a boost. You're not getting a boost. You're getting high again. Well, now Fauci says once per year. He bases it on nothing, but then he doesn't have to justify it because he's on Morning Joe, and he's never really going to be asked about it in the first place. That, that leads to the question, Joe, and would like the answer from you, Dr. Fauci, who you're the pride of Holy Cross College, uh, and I don't believe you were in medical school with uh, Ted Cruz or Jim Jordan, but how many booster shots do you think we will be getting uh, there's one available now, but how how long in the future will we be getting booster shots? You know, we don't know definitively the answer to that, but it is likely that this thing is not going to disappear. It's not going to be eradicated and it's not going to be eliminated. So it's going to be around, you know, for the foreseeable future. So it is likely that we will require an intermittent, likely at the same time as we get a flu vaccine, at least once a year, very similar to what we do to keep updated 
on our immunity against influenza, it is very likely that the similar situation we'll be experiencing with COVID, namely getting a booster shot once a year, probably at the same time as we get an influenza shot. President Fauci has spoken. Well, we'll get booster shots all the time. We're going to get another booster. Just keep getting, we walk around with an IV drip, constant IV drip. Maybe we laminate ourselves. Hey, it doesn't work, but if we do it long enough, it still won't work. But it will give young boys myocarditis and, and kill some people. But otherwise, oh, and maybe it'll have some impacts on fertility and things like that. But still, when the ultimate goal is to lower the human population and you just get the sense that massive euthanasia, there's just no appetite for it, you can't really get rid of the people we have already and maybe make moves that uh, get rid of more people in the future or something like that. It's insane. It's just They won't admit that it isn't working. It might have worked. I have no doubt that like the first dose or whatever against the first batch of the virus, yeah, probably did something. But it ain't that anymore. The virus mutated because the virus was manufactured by that guy you just heard there, at least by his wallet, our wallet, our money, his dispersing of it. Spare me, President Fauci. And I mean this with all due respect. Go to hell. Go to hell. All right, that is enough for today, ladies and gentlemen. I say, I say, I say, although there is some business to contend with. The business. Oh, wait, let me grab this thing. The business is who wins what book. We have a winner of Governor Christie Nome's book. It is uh, Sissy O on uh, Patreon, which is, uh, I think I know who that is. I think that's a guy. He, I believe, I don't want to give out a name just in case I'm wrong. I believe he's both on Patreon and at Locals. So, Sissy O, I'm not going to reach out to you just yet, but I think I know who you are. Uh, email me, because I can't contact for some weird reason. I can't. I guess I could leave a message. I'll leave a reply on uh, Locals. Patreon lets you message people. I don't understand how this works. So congratulations to you. That means that Ivanka Trump is back to do it all over again. And uh, she goes up against Michelle Malkin. Sold out. How high-tech billionaires and bipartisan beltway crap weasels are screwing America's best and brightest workers. Signed by the lovely Michelle Malkin herself. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com for all the details. Tomorrow we'll get into the Trump... Well, we'll see if Trump's actually indicted or not. And what I think of that, that happened too late in the weekend to really dig into and... It seems to be evolving, so we shall see what the dealio is. I appreciate you listening. I'll see you tomorrow.